need to know about me, uh, that I love Christmas and celebrating it. But you know, many Christians over the years have chosen not to celebrate Christmas. And these are people that I respect. Uh, the Prince of Preachers, the great Charles Spurgeon, uh, the Puritans. Uh, these are just some who chose not to celebrate Christmas. In fact, they spoke against celebrating Christmas. They took their stand against the excess celebration that was going on around them, and they took their stand against misunderstandings about Jesus as the Messiah, his salvation, that he's the reason of the season, his incarnation. And I want you to know, Community Grace, that as we are celebrating our first Christmas together, the Community Grace family and the Overstreet family, uh, I want you to know at the outset of this season that I take those same stands. I take those same stands against the excesses of uh, revelry, and I take the same stands against misunderstandings of the reason for the season, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's because I take those stands that I love Christmas more than anybody else that I know. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, that's precisely why I have come to love Christmas and celebrating it so much is because I take those same stands. So some earnest brothers and sisters choose to abstain from all Christian celebration, all Christmas celebration entirely. And I just want to say I understand and I get that and I respect that. But the way that I and many others with the same heart for Jesus Christ uh, choose to respond to Christmas time is instead to seek to find the treasure in Christmas. And that's the name of our series over the next four weeks of the Advent series. And it's the purpose of this series, to find the treasure in Christmas. That's what we're going to set out to do together today so that we can grow in our relationship with Christ and our understanding of him. And I think that we can take leaps and bounds spiritually this month, this next up and coming four weeks, and become better worshipers of his, become better followers of his. So Today we begin this time of the Christian calendar called the Advent season. It's a way of celebrating the coming of the Messiah who was promised and anticipated for hundreds of years, Jesus. We now call him Jesus. We now call this Christmas time. Uh, if you haven't gotten sermon notes out of your bulletins, uh, Chris is walking around with the basket right now. Just raise your hand if you need some sermon notes or a bulletin. I know sometimes we miss those coming in. They're helpful to have. It's got a pen clipped on it as well. Go ahead and raise your hand, and he'll get those to you. While he's doing that, let me ask you this question. How many of you grew up celebrating Advent? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm looking. I'm counting. Uh, how many of you now grew up more like me? Uh, what is Advent? Raise your hand if that was you. Okay, so they're pretty well split. Some of you celebrated Advent growing up. Some of you did not. And then I came to my previous church and then now the Community Grace family, both of which celebrate, to some degree, the Advent season. And I want to tell you, over those years, this has been tremendously encouraging and developing to me and my family uh, over these number of years. And I've been so appreciative to experience the theological and celebratory richness of celebrating Advent, this tradition. 
So what we must do as Christians and what we are setting out to do together this month is to get Christ in the center of your Christmas. Amen? It's to get Christ in the center of your hearts, Christ in the center of our church, where he deserves to be. He is the real reason for the season. And that is us being the worshipers that God desires, the followers of his. And that's what we're starting today. So first, a little bit about what Advent is. Advent. Advent literally means, one word, it means, and you may not know this yet, but you're about to find out. Advent means coming. Okay? The first advent of Christ. The first coming of Christ. It's all about the coming. They look forward to the coming. He's coming. He's coming. Someday he's coming. Who's coming? This is what we say in our house every Christmas season. He's coming. He's coming. Who's coming? The Messiah is coming. The salvation of the world. He's coming. He was promised all throughout the Old Testament and looked forward to for centuries. And he's coming. The hope of eternal life. The hope of complete forgiveness. He's the hope of the world. And he's coming. And now we know his name because he came 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus. And so Advent runs for the four weeks leading up to Christmas, which is a celebration of the coming of Christ. And that's what we're starting today. It starts this very day. And I urge you to consider observing this over the next 28 days between now and Christmas Day. And, and I want to... I want to encourage you to do this because here, I, I want to make kind of a promise to you. I, I really believe this, that if you spend just a few minutes a day over the next 28 days focusing on the scriptures, the songs, the prayers in your home, in your lives, just a few minutes a day and some activities, that it will orient your hearts to be able to cut right through all the distractions and the distortions and the lies and the pagan rituals that our world is bombarded with, surrounded by. It'll allow you also, I, I do believe, to cut right through the stress of the Christmas time and all the disappointments and baggage and pressures that are beginning to mount in your lives already. I know you can feel it because I feel it too. But this kind of devotional time, just a few minutes a day for the next 28 days as we celebrate Advent can cut through all of that. And I'm a, I wanna try to equip all of us today for that very thing as today, Advent season kicks off. So our accompanying guide for the next four weeks is this book, which I announced last week. And I know many of you picked one up. If you didn't, I encourage you to. It's called Finding the Treasure in Christmas. Now, there's a familiar title. Uh, this is the best Advent material that I've ever seen. And I've, I've collected them over the years. And our family's been using it for about the last eight years. Um, it's a masterful blend of short, very practical, very enjoyable activities, songs, prayers, uh, using props and devotion that takes about five minutes a day, or you can take 20 minutes a day if you want to study it a little bit further. It's geared for that. It takes you through a journey of scripture and understanding the traditions that maybe you don't really fully understand right now. Puts it all together. And each uh, of the next four weeks of sermons, I, I'm going to take from the Sunday, the Sunday day um, devotionals from the book, because they set off and launch all the rest of the next days that further develop the themes. That's how it's set up. It's, it's organized around the four Advent candles and the themes. Today is the prophecy candle, the hope candle, and that's where we're going to go today. They're on sale 
$10 in the back. Um, after the service, you can pick one up, and it starts literally today. Um, read the introduction pages, and it, and it tells you exactly how to walk through and, and make the most out of the book. So the first candle, the first week, the, first, the theme of the first week of Advent is hope. Advent begins its focus on Jesus long before he actually came. Because he was hoped for for centuries, thousands of years. And there were these people called the prophets that spoke a lot about his coming. And so that's where Advent begins. We just, the Sictors, it was very enjoyable to have them up here and hear from them. They lit the prophecy candle or the hope candle. So let's talk about biblical hope. Like the prophets in the Old Testament, we hope for a Messiah to save us from our sins, for some solution to the chaos outside the, in the world and inside our lives and inside our hearts. We hope for, to be released and rescued and saved and redeemed and forgiven and brought to spiritual life from the sins that are in our lives and, and sins effects in our world. They anticipated the Savior's first advent, his first coming, and they put their trust in the Old Testament times, they put their trust in the promise of the Messiah. Now, we put our trust in the fulfillment of those prophecies and promise, and we trust today in his second advent. We look forward to the time when Jesus is coming again. That's his second advent, his second coming. The prophecy candle reminds us of all of this, that hope will be fulfilled by God. All the prophecies about Jesus. Hope does not disappoint. Christians have the full right to be the most hope-filled people on planet Earth. And we should be, and we must be, because our hope is trust placed in a trustworthy God. And he has proven that over and over. Hope is an important thing for us. It grounds us. It secures us. It helps us during significant trials and times of distress. We're the only people in the world who don't mind getting older because we're getting closer to the fulfillment of all hope. Let me say a word about prophecy now before we look at some of the prophecies about Jesus. Before the completed word of God, he was revealing it and it was being written. One of the main tools that he used was human prophets. They were the mouthpieces of God that spoke his words to the people. And then many of them were written down. Now, the vast majority of prophecies of the prophets' words are, were words about um, what was needed to be spoken from God to the day. Uh, of course, some of, many of them are about the future. They're foretelling the future. But they're not all about foretelling the future. In fact, the vast majority of them are for that day. So, you could say that the prophet's ministry was mostly forthtelling, not foretelling the future. But our focus on Advent is on the foretelling of the future, about the coming of the Messiah. So today we're going to focus on two vivid images that God gave to Isaiah to proclaim the Advent of Jesus. What does Advent mean again? Coming, that's right. So he's proclaiming the coming of Jesus 700 years before Jesus came. This is when Isaiah 
served his ministry. So open your Bible to Isaiah 11.1 1 is where we're going to start. Isaiah 11.1. 1. These next four weeks, we are finding the treasure in Christmas. And it begins today with the prophets prophesying that Jesus is our treasure. First, Jesus is the tree of life. Our treasure, Jesus, is the tree of life. And Jesus is pictured as a tree in multiple places in Scripture. Jeremiah prophesies this in Jeremiah 33, 15. He says, In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Prophets use poetry and word pictures to speak vibrant words of God, powerful words of God. Well, Isaiah uses that same thing in our text right now. Isaiah 11.1 1 says, Therefore, or there shall come forth a shoot, a small branch, from the stump of Jesse... And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. This is about Jesus. Now, what came right before chapter 11, verse 1? At the end of chapter 10, Isaiah had just prophesied the destruction of Israel because of its gross, unrepentant sins. He's prophesying the the full destruction of Israel, which later came in the Babylonian captivity. And that's when the prophet Daniel and others lived. Okay, that comes later. Isaiah is picturing Israel's destruction as the cutting down of a vast forest. And it's a really sobering picture. But out of this mowed down vast forest comes this rising shoot, a branch that shall bear fruit. Out of the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. So another way to say that would be from the lineage of David. Sounds like Christmas words, doesn't it? Same thing. This becomes a significant theme in the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. So now, let's take that to today and find the treasure in Christmas is Jesus as the tree of life. Consider the Christmas tree. Where did that tradition come from? Why is there a Christmas tree in most of our houses right now? Why is it there? Let's find that glorious treasure in what already sits in our living rooms right now, waiting to be enjoyed. The first person credited in history to bring the Christmas tree into the house in the way that we know it today is the 16th century famous German reformer, Martin Luther. Okay, while Luther was walking home through the woods and praying late one night, history tells us, he noticed how beautifully the stars shone through the trees and he prayed to God and he sees the evergreen tree and he sees the stars and the light and he's spiritualizing this. So what he does is he cuts down one of the fir trees and brings it into his home to be enjoyed in his home. And he declares that the evergreen tree would represent God's everlasting love displayed through Jesus. And the lights that he hung on the tree would represent Jesus, which Scripture calls the light of the world. Now, Luther was very influential, and this, the Christmas tree and lights traditions were born Um, with a very Christ-honoring intention, and it took off. Okay, now, over centuries of traditions and theological developments, uh, these symbols have developed even further in lots of directions, in pagan directions, worldly directions, and in Christian directions. So, 
In, in the introduction pages in the Advent book here, on page 19, is a poem written by the daughter of the author. It is from the perspective of the tree who gave its life so that we can enjoy it. And it's a powerful representation as, of Jesus as the tree of life, giving his life for us. It's, it, the poem is titled, I Give My Life. And I'm not going to read that right now. Instead, I'm going to tell my version of it, <laughs> um, which is not poetry. Here's how my family and I have grown to understand the Christmas tree that gave his life for us. Okay. Let me start with this question. How many people go out to a tree farm and get a tree for their home every year? How many people do that? They go out somewhere and get a real tree. Okay, how many people get their tree from a garage in the bo a box in the garage? Okay, there are more box in the garage. That's us too. It's in the attic, actually. We pull it down. Okay, if that's, your, if that's where you get your Christmas tree, you can still fully appreciate and take advantage of this, of this tradition as you set up your tree, okay? So, but let's just say that everyone this year here is going to go out into the field and get a live Christmas tree from the field, okay? So just imagine, what would you do? You would get, you know, get, pack up the car and you would drive out to the, uh, to the place that serves the free hot cocoa and, um, and you, would find, you would go out and the instructions would be, okay, you can go out to this field and pick your own tree. So you go out there into this field, this majestic field of trees where trees are standing majestically in their own native environment and you find the perfect tree. And then what do you do? You find the perfect tree sitting there in its natural environment, majestic, standing. And you take your saw and you rip its flesh until it dies. <laughs> That's what you do, right? And then you pack it up, throw it on the car, strap it down, drive back home, fit it through the door, probably breaking things on the way in. You prop it up on your uh, stand right in the middle of your living room, and there it sits for the whole family to enjoy. Whew. Pretty amazing, huh? Now, what in the world is all the purpose and the meaning behind all of that? Let me tell you what it is. Here's what that represents. The tree standing majestically in its native home is Jesus in heaven, majestic in his native home, being worshiped and served by the angels, being in face-to-face -face communion with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Perfect. And he decides, the Father decides, that when the fullness of time had come for him to rescue sinners and redeem our sin and set us free and to give us spiritual life, it was time for him to leave his natural environment and go into ours and have his flesh ripped and his blood shed to atone for your sins and for mine, to wipe them away forever. And we invite that righteous tree into the living room of our lives, and he brings us great joy. This is the treasure in Christmas. There's so much treasure to find in Christmas. This is just a taste of what we can discover through the pages of Scripture in your homes this year and for every 
after, every year after. Because the treasure to be found is that Jesus is still that tree that brings life to the world. Amen? Jesus is the tree of life. Next, as we look in prophecies, we find the treasure of Christmas through the prophecies about Jesus, the light of the world. Our treasure, Jesus, is the light of the world. Lights are also symbols used at Christmas. We hang them on our tree. We hang them all around our house. Some of us even risk our lives hanging them on the second story. Why do we do that? Why do we do this? Let's understand why. God created light so that we could see. God appointed Jesus to be a light to the world to help people see God's love for them. Back open to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to focus just on verse 2. But let me read verse 2 and verse 6 together. The people who walk, walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. It goes on to say in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is one of the most amazing and powerful of all the messianic prophecies in scripture and in future years i will preach this this entire passage i am sure i can't wait to do that and there's so many other prophecies you know over 300 prophecies of the old testament were filled fulfilled to the exact detail by jesus first coming so during prophecy week and advent we're never going to run out of material to focus on in advent week right prophecy week but today I want to focus on Jesus as the light of the world. Isaiah prophesies about the Messiah's birth here. He says, The people living in darkness longed for this moment for, for hundreds of years. And see how Isaiah describes the day when he comes. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light that was through this child that would be born. Now we have a child dedication coming in two weeks. And we just had our first steps class to prepare for that. And I just want you to say, uh, to look at Jesus' baby dedication here in Luke chapter 2, when Mary and Joseph dedicated baby Jesus at the temple. Here's what we read and see how the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled all over. I mean, we could look at all over in the New Testament and see this. Here is one really neat text. Luke 2, 30 through 32. Uh, the, this is Simeon in the temple holding baby Jesus. And he says this, My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. What does he call this baby? A light for revelation to Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He recognized this is the light of the world. All nations, all people. And he was holding him in his hand. We're finding the treasure in Christmas. Jesus is the tree of life. And he brings spiritual, eternal life to this lost world and spiritually dead world. He's also the light of the world. He reveals God's character and God's truth. He reveals God to everyone. Jesus is the only thing that makes absolute sense in this world. He's the light of the world. 
That brings me to my next point. How does this apply to us? That's point number three. Our treasure, Jesus' gospel, is the solution to our problem. <laughs> I love it. Amen, if you, if you know it. Let's talk about the problem. The problem is illustrated by another crucial symbol at Christmas time, the red ball ornament. Now, think about the ornament. Our trees are covered with them. Why? I'm actually going to talk more about that next week because the ornaments have a really special feature to teach us about Jesus. But today, I want to talk about one of the most important ornaments. That's the red ball ornament. The red ball ornament is so important to us because it represents our sin. In Genesis 3, we read about when sin entered the world. Sin entered God's perfect creation, devastating the creation, breaking mankind's fellowship with God, subjecting us all to the damaging and harmful effects of sin and to the righteous eternal judgment of God over our sin. A lot of bad things happen when sin entered the world. I'm going to read a little paraphrase of those, those verses from Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent, who was more crafty than any other of God's creation, said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See right there, he's twisting God's words. That's not what God said. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. This is the account of when sin entered the world, and everything was broken. And then we see in the next chapter, Genesis 4, that that original sin was passed on to the next generation as we see their son Cain murdering their brother Abel. And that sin nature has passed on to that generation and to every single generation and human, all of mankind ever since. This is what Romans chapter 5 teaches us. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This condition of being lost, spiritually dead, separated from God at birth, is passed down to every single child who's ever born, every single one of us. All are without excuse. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's all of us. But the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, God is good. Oh, God loves us, and he has provided life. Jesus. But listen to this first. Tie into Christmas. So sin is passed down in all humans through the Father, through the man's seed. That's where the sin nature passes down to the generations, to all of us. We've all had an earthly father. And we've all inherited that sin nature. This is the Bible. 
And that is why the virgin birth of Jesus is so important. Because Jesus did not have a human father to pass that down. Jesus was instead born of a miracle of the Holy Spirit in Mary. And therefore, Jesus, when he was born, was born both as sinless man and therefore qualified to be the sacrifice of all mankind. And he was born as God. Therefore, he was powerful enough to be the sacrifice of all mankind. Because he was God and because he was man, he could die in the place of and wipe away all the sin of mankind. Only he could do that. And he did. Praise God. That brings us to the solution. Brothers and sisters, we have hope. Not because we can just say, oh, it just accepts our sin. No, our sin has devastated us. It has made us separated from God and deserving of his eternal judgment. No, our hope comes because there's a solution. We need to know this. We need to receive God's solution. So brothers and sisters, the red ball ornament represents all our sin. And in our Christmas and Advent traditions and celebrations, we can claim this. All of my sin. All of it, in the past, all in the future, it's all paid for by Jesus. And I just want to ask you, what is the sin right now that just grinds you down, that has you enslaved, that's easily your besetting sin? The devil gets a foothold on you and snags you and trips you up and it ruins your relationships. It enslaves you somehow, or maybe it has kept you too proud to give your life to Christ and receive his new life and his salvation. Over my 16 years as a pastor, I've walked with people through a variety of sins. No, no two people have the same sin mix. We all have the same solution, though, I can tell you. But, I mean, I've, I've struggled in my own life, and I've walked with people through all kinds of you know, conflict and grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness in the families, in the church, all kinds of pride, emotional affairs, physical affairs, all kinds of shame and guilt, thinking that we never measure up or that we are not worthy of God's love. Or maybe it's the wounds that we've been, that have been inflicted on us. We're hurt so bad and just abused or tired or angry. We've walked through abortions and addictions of all kinds. You know, that occasional glass of wine for dinner turns into a bottle or two a day and you're enslaved in this, or pills, or pornography. We have sins. Or maybe it's an addiction to romance novels or TV shows. And the world we live in today, the temptations and the distractions away from God have become so sophisticated and so culturally accepted and valued that they consume and control our lives and overwhelm us more than ever. We need a solution. God has provided one. You know, despite all that, you know, it only takes one sin to be alienated and cut off from a holy God. But here we are buried in a, just sin. All sins have the same solution. And it's the gospel. It's that tree. The God who became flesh to become your and my perfect sacrifice 
for all that sin. And Jesus calls out to you, believe in me, trust in me, and here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to take all your sin on myself. We hang it all on the tree of life. And he takes it all. And he gives us his life in its place. And we become alive, spiritually alive, for the first time in our lives when we trust Jesus as our Savior. Our sins being eliminated forever by his blood. That is good news, isn't it? So friends, if you, I see some new faces. Maybe you're visiting family. Welcome to Community Grace. Welcome to the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask, is Jesus saying to you, yeah, today is the day I'm calling you to receive the forgiveness that I earned on the cross for you, because only I could, and I did. So you now receive my life, my light, enter into your master's joy, come and I will give you rest. My yoke is is easy and my burden is light. Only I can give you what you fully need. All these are promised by Jesus, and he offers that today. If you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, I encourage you to do it today and enter this joy, this new life, this forgiveness, the washing away of your sins. I just want to encourage you, if the Holy, this is about the Holy Spirit, this is between you and God. If he is calling you to do that, you've, just respond. And if you trust him as your Savior today, you've got to let somebody know because you just started uh, a whole new life. So would you tell somebody that you came with, me, anybody that you know, a mentor, write it on that communication card so we can follow up with you. We don't want to leave new, ba- new uh, newborn, you know, just be born again, um, just out with no, with no spiritual care. We want to walk with you on that. So let somebody know. Let us know. If this is the day of your salvation, we will rejoice with the angels in heaven. Every believer here, because I am... Um, one of you, I understand what happens in the course of life. And so I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer right now, a prayer of peace. Because here's what we do. We know this. We've given this to Jesus. But we keep taking some of it back on ourselves, don't we? We keep doing that. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes and just pray this prayer with me. You can put this in your own words. I just want this to be a, a time of worship that we all participate in right now together. Pray something like this to God with me right now. God, I need Jesus' peace in my life right now. I need this reminder that you bore my sin completely when I first trusted you. But I have taken some of its weight back off the tree and onto myself by the choices I've made, the things I've fallen into, which is disrespectful to your sacrifice. And today I'm hanging it all back on the tree and receiving your forgiveness completely and anew. I thank you that you promise that every time we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive them because you've already paid the price for them on the cross. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Believe that and live a life of joy because of that. That's where your sin and struggles, insecurities, guilt, and shame all hang on him. The tree of life. So we are starting Advent today, 28 days of just the the most wonderful time of the year. 
Not because of Dean Martin singing it, but because of Jesus. Or Andy Williams or whoever that was, sorry. All right. What's Advent at Community Grace? What is coming up here? God is good, and we're going to uh, revel in that. Uh, as we go on into this Christmas season, here's what to expect at Community Grace. Uh, all these are on the bulletin insert that's in your bulletin, which is designed not only for your calendaring, but also to invite somebody. You know somebody that, that's seeking something at Christmas time, and this is the place they're going to find truth. Um, please use this to invite somebody, and you can get a stack of them if you have a lot of people to invite. Uh, but the weekend services are going to continue to be amazing. Uh, the concert of prayer next Sunday is a free lunch after the service, followed by praying for people in your life who don't know Jesus yet. And prayer is where it all begins, so I, I hope that everybody comes for that next week. Two weeks from now is December 13th. That's the children's Christmas program, which is always a highlight of the Christmas season. And because we do expect a lot of visitors and guests, we're going to have two services. And I know that the actors who've been working so hard are going to love doing it twice. Uh, that's 9, 15, and 11. So please make sure you know the different schedule on that day, two weeks from now. We're also having the child dedication that day. Um, that's going to be a fantastic day. That's also a kind of a warm-up for us uh, before we launch two services permanently in January. So we're going to work out some kinks and see how all that goes. Uh, the staff is going to put a frequently asked question sheet together this week uh, in relation to all of the questions being asked and um, about what it's going to look like logistically and everything with every part of the church when we add two services. So that's coming in January when we add our new second service, uh, but we get a little test run on December 13th. But if you have questions, please send them in, and, and we'll build that FAQ sheet this week. That'll help. Then December 24th, we will have a Christmas Eve service here uh, that will be brief but very, very meaningful. That's our Advent season at uh, Community Grace coming up. I pray that you can be a part of all of it as much as you can. Three next steps for you today. Actions to take. Number one is to celebrate all 28 days of Advent. Make it a goal. A goal isn't a covenant. If you miss, it's, not, it's okay. You're not under the judgment. Um, make it a goal. I'm going to do this every day, five minutes a day for all 28 days. See where it takes you. Uh, it's going to be great. Buy a book today and start. it starts today. And then look ahead on, on the Sunday. Look ahead in each week before you get into the week so you can make sure you have your preparations uh, all set. For example, week one, you're going to need a Bible, of course, uh, a tree, lights, the red ball ornament, some drawing supplies, cool stuff, um, a flashlight, candle, and a planned trip to your neighbor's house. Those are the things coming up in week one, so be prepared for all that. And this could also be the best thing for your own devotional life. They say it takes 21 days to create a good habit. Well, this is 28 days. And I've found a lot of families, a lot of people uh, doing 28 days of consistent Advent, family devotions, even 5, 15, 20 minutes a day, launch into a whole new routine of fellowship with God. Um, so all those things are are things we can look forward to. Would you sell, uh, share your experiences along the way, whether on Facebook posts or emails, send pictures or stories? Uh, we would love to share those. Second is, is my encouragement to address your Christmas season burdens right now. There's no secret that Christmas time isn't happy for everybody. Um, there's a lot of pain. In, in some lives, there's a lot of loss. 
Sadness, loneliness, depression, stress. There's all of those things. Because of the nature of our great God and the theological and celebratory richness of this season, uh, I want to encourage you to get ahead of these burdens that you know are coming and have already started right now by doing a couple things. One is to pray. God is a God of peace, and he'll give you his peace. And two is don't do it alone. That's what you're in a church for. So church, be the church for each other. Encourage each other and build each other up. But if, there's, if we don't know that there's, a, that there's an issue or a challenge, then we, there's nothing we can do. So please write something on your communication card or talk to the office. Send me an email. Um, you do your part. That's to pray and to be with other Christians. And we love you and we're here for each other. And then attending the concert of prayer next Sunday is honestly a great place to start when you just come together and pray. So again, I'm going to encourage you to do that. And then finally, number three, is to participate in the, in the To the Glory of God Christmas offering. Another powerful way to worship God is to give back and to give forward. And the elders have put together a really great uh, opportunity for the Christmas offering this year. Uh, that runs through the end of January. You should be getting a letter. Maybe some of you have already gotten it. It went out this week, but with Thanksgiving, I'm not sure when it's going to hit the mailboxes. Uh, it tells all about it, and there's some extra copies on the connection table back there as well. Please be sure to respond however God directs you uh, to that as well. It's another opportunity for you and for our church, for the glory of God. But for now, let's close in prayer and finish our worship time together.